This is Jordan. One of my biggest passions is filmmaking, and that's actually one of the reasons why I started Great Light Studios in the first place. For those of you who don't know, I do have a small library of, of several short films and even a feature-length uh, documentary that I produced and shot, edited, and all that a couple years ago. I would like to get back into filmmaking. I have a couple ideas for some short films I, I want to make, maybe some dealing with some of the Psalms. But this is just for those of you who may not know that filmmaking is a part of what I do through Great Light Studios, just because I, I haven't made one for a while. But if you do want to watch any of the films I've produced, you can find those on the Great Light Studios YouTube channel, and I'll make sure to include a link in the show notes. My name is Jordan Hatfield. Great Light Studios is a platform where I seek to help people encounter in the scriptures the God of peace, life, and light, who I think is often concealed by flawed doctrines, theological systems, and just general misunderstandings of biblical texts. I attempt to offer critiques and corrections to what I consider to be harmful theological systems, doctrines, or organizations, and to provide resources for those who have been negatively impacted by them, hopefully helping them to see that it is possible to realize the Bible and the God who is revealed in it in a whole new way. And I want this to be a place where people learn that it is okay for followers of Jesus to ask hard questions, to wrestle and struggle with different biblical passages and concepts. It's okay even to be a Christian while having doubts and unanswered questions. And I hope to help people realize that it is possible to lovingly and respectfully hold differing opinions and theological views from others without perceiving them as enemies. I wanted to respond to another comment I got recently concerning faith and sort of this assertion that comes on the part of Calvinists that if I say, if we as non-Calvinists say that a person has to choose to believe, then we're basically turning faith into a work or we're basically creating a self-righteousness works-based uh, form of salvation. So. In this video, I want to just cover a little bit more on that, share some more of my thoughts on that, and what I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit in here about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, a key verse that is used in this whole discussion by Calvinists to kind of demonstrate, um, at least they think, what is proof or evidence that, that faith must be a gift, something that God decisively causes us to have. So... I'm just going to kind of do similarly to what I did in the last video. I'm going to read this comment so it kind of sets the stage for the sort of um, thinking that I'm responding to here, and then I'll just begin to read through my uh, written out response. So the comment says, I would like to help you understand that the reason people have faith is because God sovereignly makes them have faith. God, by the counsel of his foreknowledge, makes his elect have faith. Therefore, they can pursue it by faith. This is a response to some things that I've said in Romans 9, where I'm attempting in this series uh, that's, that's out on the channel. If you haven't watched that yet, feel free to watch that if you want to know some of my thoughts about Romans 9. But anyways, in that series, I try to lay out why I think that 
that chapter is most definitely about God's sovereign right to do whatever he chooses and to save whoever he chooses. But what I would argue, what I think is clear from the context, not only of Romans 9, the chapter itself, but the rest of the book of Romans, is that what Paul is arguing for in terms of what it is that God has sovereignly determined is that he is determined to save people on the basis of faith and to not save people who even even though they might come to him with effort and striving, law-keeping, and all these other things that the Jews were attempting to approach God with. God has the right to reject that way uh, and accept the Gentiles who were not doing any of these righteous things uh, simply because they're approaching God by faith. So so I think that that is that is the offense, I think, simply stated of Romans 9, that it's about God has chosen those who believe. He's chosen faith in the Messiah as the way to inherit the promises. And the Jews, that was a crazy uh, offensive idea to them. And so this video is not about Romans 9, but just to kind of set the stage that that's what that's what this comment is responding to, is, is me communicating some of those things. And so he's basically saying that um, God is the one, though, that even if that's the case, basically it's like he's not even saying in this video or in this comment on that video about Romans 9 that there's something unsound or wrong about my argumentation about God sovereignly choosing faith and not works and that being sort of the main uh, uh purpose or argument of Paul in Romans 9. He's not even arguing with that, so I don't know if he would or not. But he's basically saying, well, even if that's true, why do these people have faith? Yeah, maybe that's what Romans 9 is about. Maybe it's really about God choosing to save people who believe, but God still has to make them believe. That's, that's basically what he's saying here. God still has to be the one to cause them to believe. So he says, therefore, they can pursue it by faith, as I pointed out in Romans 9.32. If you don't like that statement, I'd like to direct you to Ephesians 2.8, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, uh, not of yourselves, my friend, he repeats. God gives the gift of faith to his elect, and he does not give it to others. So here's my response. Calvinists argue that faith must be a gift that God decisively causes us to have. They would say that if it is our faith that God saves us by, then we are somehow working for our salvation or adding righteousness into the mix. I think that anyone who considers what Paul says elsewhere about faith, then it becomes quickly apparent that there is a massive erroneous idea of faith being suggested by the Calvinist here. So I've I've talked about this verse in the uh, one of the other videos I made about this uh, topic about faith. Uh, but Romans 9, 30 through 32, just want to look at this again, which says, The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were by works. So in Paul's mind, pursuing righteousness by faith is directly contrasted to pursuing righteousness by works. They are not the same, and they are in no way equivalent. To approach God with faith alone, by definition, means that you are not approaching him with your works or self-righteousness. This seems to clearly be how Paul thought about it. 
So why does it seem that the Calvinist wants to equate faith to works or righteousness? So concerning Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, I personally think that contextually and grammatically, it is quite clear that the gift in this uh, passage is not faith, but salvation by grace. So it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. To say that faith is the gift referred to in this passage would be to suggest that Paul is basically saying here that our faith is not a result of works. Okay, so so follow with me here. And in other places, it's clear that Paul sees faith again, as diametrically opposed to works. To simply come to God on the basis of faith means by definition, you are not working. So Paul is basically saying here that our faith is not a result of works. If you consider all the other places where Paul basically communicates that faith is the opposite of works and that approaching God by faith is by definition to approach God without works, then Paul in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is in essence saying, for by grace we have been saved by not working. And this not working is the gift of God, not a result of working. So if Paul is referencing faith, then I think once again, a lot of Paul's writings are reduced to a bit of redundant absurdity. So in Paul's mind, to pursue righteousness by faith means that you are not pursuing it by works. We've, we've, I think we see that demonstrated in some of the passages we've looked at already and, and many more that hopefully we can look at in the future. And so it would seem strange to me that in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, Paul would in essence say, again, keeping in mind that he thinks by definition faith is not working, that he would say that faith, that we've been saved through faith, and this faith is not our own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works. Why would Paul say that our faith is not a result of of works if he has already established and it's already clear that faith is not works? Um, he's basically saying this lack of working is not working. Uh, I, I, I think it's just redundant and I think it makes a bit of nonsense of Paul's writings. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time right now arguing for why salvation I think is the best candidate here as the gift being referred to. Um, I know that there's a lot of good resources out there that dive into the uh, grammar, uh, the original Greek language here. And I think that that itself um, is a good indicator that salvation is in fact more what is being focused on and referred to as the gift of God that is not a result of works. I think also contextually, uh, if you look at all of Paul's other writings, what does he always talk about that is not a result of our works? Um, certainly not faith. You don't see Paul going on talking about how our faith is not a result of our works. What he does say is not a result of our works very often is our salvation by grace, which is a gift of God. So this is a very common idea, and I think it makes perfect sense and is perfectly consistent um, with the context of Ephesians and with the overall consensus of the way Paul speaks about these things to say that salvation is the gift of God here that is not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Um, I do not think the best uh, evidence would point to faith being the gift. There's even, um, and I will I'll try to find links to, to the sources here, but I know that even John Calvin uh, approached this different than a lot of Calvinists do. He did not think here that 
faith was the gift being referred to. And so you have, you know, people even on that other side acknowledging that, hey, with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, probably the best way to actually interpret this legitimately is to not uh, say that faith is the gift. And so that's that's would be my opinion. I know that there, um, you might have arguments um, against that, and feel free to comment those if you want, and I'll, I'll see if I or others could um, engage with that. But I think there is an interesting connection here. So I've talked in the past about Romans 3.27, which says, where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of works? No, but on that of faith. So in Paul's mind, faith excludes boasting. Faith already in itself excludes boasting. There's something about uh, the nature of faith that if one is pursuing righteousness by faith, they, they are not pursuing it by works. And the nature of faith, again, is such that it excludes boasting. So again, if you look back at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it says, this is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So if we connect this to Romans 3, 27, what in Paul's mind is it that excludes boasting? Is it that God decisively causes us to have faith? Well, no, that's not in either of these texts. You can, you can presuppose that into this text, but you certainly can't just get that from a plain reading. That is not, that's not what's being communicated here, unless you are assuming that uh, with preconceived theological notions. What Paul says eliminates boasting is pursuing righteousness by faith. That is what eliminates boasting. And so again, to assume that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is saying that God has to cause us to have faith, and that's what eliminates boasting. I think that you just have to arrive there with massive assumptions that, about what faith is. And really, I think you have to arrive there with misunderstandings about what faith is. Really, the motivation to even conclude that sort of thing about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 comes from this underlying assumption that if one does believe, they are somehow contributing to their salvation, which, again, as I've already talked about, I think is just a misunderstanding uh, the nature of faith, and I think it's turning upside down uh, what Paul says about it. I think all we can know from these texts where Paul specifically deals with faith and works and what it is that eliminates boasting, what is very clear and evident is that in Paul's mind, to pursue God by faith did not mean that you were doing something to merit your salvation. He said, in fact, that is the opposite of pursuing God by works. He also clearly believed that to pursue um, God by faith is what eliminates the ability to boast. Now, we can argue about whether or not we even have the ability to believe unless God decisively causes us that, but the point here is that that is not Paul's point, and he's, he's not, that's not even a discussion on the table for him, um, at least in these passages. And so, um, yes, I suppose we can go elsewhere to debate that and to discuss that, but I think in Paul's mind, with these verses in mind, there's no reason to conclude that that is the case. All we can take away from these is that in Paul's mind, if you approach God by faith, you are approaching God not by working. So if you contrast how Paul and I think Calvinism sees these things, Paul would say boasting is excluded on the basis of faith. Calvinism says if your faith is involved, it gives you reason to boast. I, once again, I do not know how one could possibly more misunderstand and invert what Paul says about the nature of faith. If one has faith, it doesn't give them grounds to boast, but rather it is approaching God by faith that excludes boasting. That is why, as he says in Romans 4.16, that is why it depends on faith. 
And you want to know the reason why salvation depends on faith, Paul says, is in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. If faith is a work, why, why would Paul word it this way? If faith is something you know, righteous or meritoriously good that, that somehow, you know, necessitates that God now must save us or, or somehow we're, we're, you know, pulling ourselves out of, out of the grave, putting new life in us by believing. If that is the way the Bible thinks about it, then why would Paul say, say that the reason that our salvation depends on faith is because if it's dependent only on faith, that means the promise can rest on grace. So again, in Paul's mind, having faith in God, in no way, no place in his mind can I see him thinking that having faith in God was something righteous that was e- equivalent to, to good works or um, you know, raising your own self from spiritual death to spiritual life. It is precisely because it depends only on our faith that the promises of God can rest on grace. Once again, this is just another verse where that same sort of idea is communicated. Again, in Paul's mind, the fact that God only required our faith was equivalent to God not requiring works. Since God's promises only depend on our receiving and believing in them, they are able to be given on the basis of grace. Could Paul have possibly been more clear that faith itself is not in any way equivalent to working, striving, meriting, and it is in no way equivalent to righteousness. Calvinism would seem to suggest that if it depends on our faith, then the promise cannot truly rest on grace, since that faith would be us playing a part in and working for our salvation. I think in suggesting this, they effectively turn Paul's writings about these things upside down and inside out. Thank you for listening to the Great Light Studios podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, you can find links in the show notes of this episode to our Facebook, YouTube, and other social media accounts. If you want to support this podcast and myself in continuing to produce content through Great Light Studios, you can find links in the show notes of this episode to different ways that you can give financial support. And also, would you consider leaving a five-star review on this podcast? Positive reviews go a long way in helping to get this content pushed out to more people. One of my biggest passions is filmmaking. I believe films have the potential to communicate spiritual truths in a uniquely compelling and powerful way. If you want to watch any of the films I've produced, you can find those on the Great Light Studios channel as well. And I'll include a link in the show notes. Mm